Hey church, uh, welcome back. I hope you are well and I hope um, that your family is well. Uh, thank you for joining us for the service today. And I want to encourage you that if you're watching the service to get on the chat uh, right now, the live chat that is happening because crazy stuff happens over there. People are prophesying, people are getting healed. Uh, it's amazing. There's a lot of um, revelation that is spilled out in the chats by awesome people in our church. And so if you want to uh, get the vibe of what our community is all about, our, our church is all about, I want to encourage you to get on the chats uh, and, and chat there. Let us know where you're from, where you're chatting from, and we'd be more than happy to uh, welcome you to our community. So we're going to continue on our series called The Great Compass. And uh, today we're going to go deeper into understanding uh, this beautiful gift uh, called the conscience. And the title of my message today is A Mature Heart. So a year ago, Kelsey and I wanted to discover gardening and we went out and we bought heaps of plants. We went and bought a lot of plants and out of, uh, out of one of, out of most of them, uh, one of the plants was a mulberry tree. And this mulberry tree was about six and a half, maybe seven feet tall. Uh, when we saw it in the, in, in the garden uh, where we went to buy it from the shop, um, it was really about really full of leaves. And you know how, how we are, we look at the tree full of leaves and we think it's a healthy tree. And so we brought it home, uh, put soil and the whole works and we started watering the plant. And about six months into, the, uh, into us having this tree, it started bearing fruit. And I was super excited because, you know, it's the first time we have any tree in our garden that's bearing fruit. And it was so awesome because the fruit from this tree, this mulberry tree, was so sweet. But the problem was that I could only count on my hands how many fruit there were on the tree. It was about eight or nine, maybe 10, I think, uh, fruit on that tree. And, but I was super excited about this tree because I believed there was something about this tree uh, that would bear much fruit. So about six months ago, it, it produced this fruit on this tree and once the season went the leaves were still there and I was, I was surprised because once the weather changes you know the leaves fall off but this tree continued to have the leaves on and it was growing everything was fine we were watering the tree it was good about two weeks ago I noticed the tree started to look different and I thought oh, okay here, here we go the season is changing and you know, things are going to happen. And in two days time, this tree went from looking in full bloom to looking fully dead. It was completely dead, dry, dead, dead. There was nothing, no life on it. The branches were breaking. Uh, the leaves were completely fallen off and it looked completely dead. And I assumed in that moment, okay, that's the end of this tree and I'm going to cut it down and I'm going to throw it out and we're going to get another tree and we'll try it again and we'll see what we did wrong in the previous season. But the Lord spoke to me and He said, continue to water the tree. Don't go by what it looks. Continue to water the tree. Give it time. And so when I decided in my heart to be patient with the process of the tree, I was quite surprised. Within two weeks of this tree being absolutely dead, within two weeks, I started to notice certain green buds coming on the tree. So I was like, okay, here we go. Leaves are coming. This tree is going to look absolutely awesome and we're going to have fruit again. Uh, and I had no expectations of what I was about to see. This tree went from absolutely dead to being full of fruit without leaves. I was shocked because I was expecting the green to be fruit, uh, to be leaves, but actually it was fruit that came out first and then the leaves came out later. Now, I don't know how the, the mulberry tree works. Maybe that's how it works. But for me, God began to speak to me about my life and about and, and wanted to encourage the church from the mulberry tree 
And, he, and, and I really believe that there are people who today who are looking at their lives. They look at their circumstances, look at the situations in your life as, man, there's no hope in that situation. We just got to cut that thing out. We're going we're gonna to burn those branches. We're going to throw out that tree. We're going we're gonna to remove this part of our life. We're going to forget this part. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And we need to move on from this. And I really believe that God is saying, be patient. Because what you're expecting the tree to do, it won't do. The tree will do what I want the tree to do. See, somehow we've decided in our mind that the natural processes of life need to take place to circumstances and situations in our life. But I want to encourage every single person that is watching here today that you are a child of God and God has a perfect plan for your life. And it is completely different to how the seasons or, or the times and seasons are for everybody else. You as a child of God, God has a plan that is unique to your life. And if you compare your life to somebody else's life, if you compare your tree to somebody else's tree and you're expecting leaves to come on your life, I want to encourage you that this season, something is going to spring forth that is going to shock you and you are going to go absolutely surprised. You're going to be bewildered because you're expecting leaves on your tree, but God is releasing fruit. This is a fruitful season in your life. I want to prophesy this over you. You're going to bear fruit and your fruit is going to astonish you in your life. I was this close to throwing that tree out because I knew, I looked at the tree and I was like, no, this is completely dead. See, God is a miracle working God. We think the natural processes of the tree, the tree has to do, okay, leaves and then flowers and then maybe pollination and then fruit, maybe. Yes, that's for regular people. But it's not for Life Church Global. Come on now. Come on, in the chats, begin to receive it. For Life Church Global, we are set apart by God. We function according to the unction of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. There's divinity on the inside of you. And guess what? We don't function according to the seasons of this world. We function according to the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. This is powerful, church. See, one of the core values of the ministry, Life Church Global, is transformation. Transformation is who we are. We are about transformation. But transformation or global transformation, which is our vision, uh, uh, it does not take place until there's a personal transformation. And in order for personal transformation to take place, we need the gift of the conscience to be able to bring transformation to our lives and into the world around us. See, we, are, we want God to intervene when we, when we hit a roadblock in our life. And God's like, hey, listen, I've already given you the solution to all the problems in your life. But the channel through which it comes, ladies and gentlemen, it's through the spirit into the, into the flesh. And I want to take you right now to the book of 2 Corinthians and we'll, we'll start... Um, We'll get into the conscience because I want to present something awesome to you today. We'll read from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 uh, and we'll read from verses 1 to 3. And it says this, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need as some others episodes of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? He says this, You are our episode written in our hearts known and read by all men clearly clearly which means you are visible clearly you are an episode or a letter of Christ I want you to remember these words very carefully right now you are a letter of Christ you're not you don't belong to the world you don't belong to the times and seasons. You don't belong to fake news. You don't belong to social media. You don't belong to your university. You belong to Christ. You're a letter of Christ. He says, clearly you're an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. Now I'm going to explain this a little bit. He's saying clearly you're a letter of Christ, which means 
in order for for Christ to be visible somebody has to manifest or reveal Christ to the world in order for the word of god to become visible christ needs a man jesus and jesus manifested the father he manifested christ to the world now that same christ the word of god comes into human flesh which is you and it transforms the human into a new creation and that new creation does not live according to the old john now he lives according to the new creation called christ that's why we are called christians we manifest christ's work in and through our lives so which means if your colleagues at work if your friends in college or university if your if your friends your relatives your family members are seeing the same old same old every day that means there's an issue with your letter there's a problem with the letter either you're not reading the letter or somebody is not writing on the letter because it, somehow you are manifesting something or the other either you're manifesting Christ which is who is the truth or you're manifesting the knowledge of good and evil so what do people experience around you do they come to you and they say well you know Danny is a good guy mm. oh this person oh he's so evil oh no 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 not good no don't hang out with that one if we're caught in that revelation then we are functioning according to the knowledge of good and evil what god wants us to live by is the truth which is the word of god we live we function we find our source in the word of god not the knowledge of good and evil because the knowledge of good and evil causes us to judge between the good between good and evil and by judging between good and evil whatever measure you measure is measured back to you but when you judge according to his word now you begin to rule and reign as he rules and reigns see the word of god is all powerful every other words are submitted to the word of god and so he's saying this now you are an epistle written in the hearts clearly you're an epistle of christ now if you were to make an honest assessment of your life are you manifesting christ just think about my question are you manifesting christ you say well praise the lord yes i am brother praise the lord are you really do the uh, do the people around you come to you and say my god i had a revelation of jesus when i hung out with you my god when i left your company when i i was hanging out with you when i left your company i felt like i encountered jesus when i hung out with you i was hung out for coffee but oh my gosh i felt like jesus gave me a hug right now see the standard is different it's not even high it's different for us we're not trying to do what other people do we we we're, we're basically saying okay i know jesus and it is not me that is trying to act like jesus it is jesus who is acting through me Amen. see there's a difference between people saying god what is your will i want to act out your will they're still striving ladies and gentlemen I want to do I want to do the will of God. I want to fulfill no, no. our responsibility is to die. Our responsibility is to lay down our life. Our responsibility is to surrender completely and we allow God to rewrite the story of our life. He rewrites the 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 DNA pattern of your life. He he takes out your your natural abilities and then he begins to record you with divine abilities. And so when you understand that your letter completely represents Christ. Everything every move you make, everything that you say, every joke that you crack, it's not sarcastic anymore, but it's actually holy. It actually makes people laugh and be full of joy. So we see now that he's saying that hey listen clearly there's no nothing hidden here you are clearly a letter of Christ clearly there's no one person at home one person with mom and dad one person at college one person that goes to work and then when you try to look at all the people you're super confused yourself but when Christ writes the letter when christ defines your life that's when everything is super clear 
I know exactly. I'm in sin. Yeah, sure. I fully know it. What I'm doing with my boyfriend, girlfriend, with this, with that, with these habits, with all of these things. Well, nobody's watching. Hello. Um, I, I know. I know. It's not manifesting Christ. I know that. And I need, and that area of my life needs to be surrendered. Oh my God, you know, I wait for people to go away and then I just open up a cigarette and I smoke it when nobody's watching. Hello. Yeah, all that stuff will completely change because Christ doesn't do that. Christ doesn't watch the movies that, that you watch when, you know, nobody's watching you. But the question that I have for you right now is everything that is written on the inside of you, is it Christ or is it something else? Because if it is Christ, then every thought that goes through your mind is the thought of God. Does God only think about heavenly things? Does God think about how to, to love on His children? Yeah, for sure. Does God think about vegetables and how to feed His family? Yeah, for sure. He's a provider. Come on, we, we can't think that God put us in the world and He's like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, you guys think different than I think. No, He, he created us in His image and likeness. And so we can't, we can't think that God is so foreign to our everyday lives that He doesn't think these thoughts. But those thoughts need to lead and manifest into something called Christ. Everything that you do at work needs to manifest Christ. That boss that is trying to take advantage of you, what does Christ do? He allows him to take advantage. Because it is the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. Oh, I think like, uh, I think I've already stepped on a couple of toes right now. Because we think that you can't take a, that, that if I'm paid a certain amount of money for a certain amount of time, anything above that time would be you taking advantage of me or you should, you're not treating me properly. No, all these, these things is human. It's the flesh. But when you come out of the flesh into the spirit, you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, self-control. And so we see here now, Paul is saying clearly, there's no doubt. There's no facade, no mask, no social media, no social distancing, no, no mask on the face. Clearly you're an epistle of Christ ministered by us. Listen to this, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. So he's saying, your heart is the letter of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, that heart is not the mind, like the soul mind, the mind of the soul. But this heart is the conscience, the mind of the spirit. Your heart is a letter that is not written with ink, but it is written with the spirit. It's written with, it's a spiritual letter. Your heart, your conscience is a spiritual letter that only God can write and define. So which means this verse right here, verse three is your definition. He's defining your identity. He's not defining creation, but he's actually defining what your identity is. For you to be called a Christian, you've got to understand that he has given you a spirit and that spirit has a mind. And that mind is called the conscience. And the conscience now is the letter, is the heart, is the letter where God now begins to take his word and by the spirit, he begins to write your conscience. He begins to create your conscience. He begins to form your conscience according to the conscience of Christ. We, we understand, you know, in the beginning, the way God created man was he did not form man out of the dust first. You must understand that God spoke. God, God and God, God and the gods had a discussion and they said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So man was created, but he did not have a form. So man was spoken into existence, which means he was, man was in the thoughts of God. Now, please pay attention to me very carefully. Man was in the thoughts of God and God spoke it into existence and man was formed. Just like he said, let there be light and there was light. 
So God said, let us create man in our image according to our likeness, which means when God spoke it, this guy had everything about God in him. But he did not have a form on the earth until Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And verse 7 says this, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And listen to this, man became a living soul. Which means man did not have a soul when God had created him first, when he spoke him into existence. Why? Because God is spirit. He creates spirit. Because it's the image and likeness of God. And then he goes now and he forms man out of the dust. Ladies and gentlemen, when God formed man out of the dust, the guy was fully formed. Which means he had all the organs, he had his brain, all of that stuff. And where the brain of a human body is the, is the place that stores thoughts. Please listen to me very carefully. And so when God formed man now, that man had no life in him. He was, he was dead. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, gives life to your mortal bodies. That's what Paul says. And so here we see God coming down now and he breathes the breath of life into man. Okay? So you must understand, man is a spirit. He was spoken into existence. He's spirit. Man is a spirit living in a body, having a soul. You must understand the three-part being. He's a three-part being. Man is a spirit. God spoke him into existence according to the word. That word, that spirit now was carried. The DNA of man, the, 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 the nature, the abilities, the likeness, all of that was in the, in the breath of God when God breathed the breath, the spirit into man. So when man received a spirit, that spirit had the mind of God because he had the word of God in him. I hope you're understanding that. And so now when he had the mind of God in the spirit, that spirit went into man's brain and then man came alive and he had a soul. Till then he didn't have a mind. You understand? Because the soul is made up of the mind, will and emotions. All of that came later. But till then he had the ability to receive the word of God. Come on now. He had the ability, even though he was dead. Come on, where have we heard this? Even though we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our trespasses. We died on the cross and the spirit of the living God came into our lives and gave life to our mortal bodies. So the mortal body of that human, that that it was dust there and he had a brain, he had all the organs, all that kind of stuff and the breath of God, the living breath of God, the spirit, God gave spirit into man, that spirit carried a mind, the mind of God and that mind of God, when it entered into the body of the man, it gave him, gave him life and when he came out, he had a soul. Now the soul, ladies and gentlemen, has its own mind. The mind is the thinking faculty of the soul. And the soul, they say, is merely, it functions based on the, on the five senses. But it's, it, it's your mind, it's your will, your emotions. Your emotions, I'm emotional, oh, I'm crying, oh, I'm sad, I'm happy. All the things that affect you. The effective part of your consciousness is your soul. Your soul did not have the ability to give life to the body. It was only the spirit. See, when a, when a person passes away, they don't say his soul left his body, they say his spirit left his body. When a person uh, has, a, has an issue with the brain, but the body, the, the, the spirit is still in the body, the soul is still in the body, they call that person brain dead. And he's, he's kept alive or she's kept alive by machines. But with the minute they remove the machines, what happens? The person dies. So all three parts are very important for a human to actually survive, to actually live. 
out his purpose. But what I really want to talk about is the mind of the spirit that is in you. The mind of the spirit that is within you is called the conscience. And the conscience, ladies and gentlemen, does not feed off the five senses. It does not feed off the moral law. It does not feed off the Ten Commandments. It does not feed off the laws. It feeds off Christ. It receives Christ and Christ, the Word of God, is the only thing that matures the conscience. See, because till then, we have an immature conscience. And when we have an immature conscience, a weak conscience, the, the soul begins to, the mind of the soul begins to dominate the flesh. But it doesn't lead to life, it actually leads to death and destruction. Why? Because the, the, the mind of the soul is based on the knowledge of good and evil. This is good, that is evil. But when your spirit man enters into your body, now that spirit man has a mind. That mind, ladies and gentlemen, is connected to the mind of God. And now God begins to speak mind to mind. He speaks from his mind into your mind. And that's how we understand our purpose in life. We receive the will of God for our life. We hear God's voice. Now, fast forward to Jesus. The day you got saved, you got born again. Now there was a seed that came from heaven into your heart, which is your conscience. And now the spirit illuminated the conscience. It illuminated your heart. It illuminated the, the, the eyes of your heart, which is the conscience. When it illuminated it, now you began to see God. Oh, I can see him. I know. Oh, goodness. That's what Jesus looks like. That's when the Bible says, when you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. How do you turn to the Lord, ladies and gentlemen? Is when you hear his voice. I've shared this example many times in private meetings. You know, if my dad and I were to go out into a busy market, uh, and let's say for our sakes, it's the meat market, uh, not the vegetable market. And, uh, and my dad uh, <laughs> decides to go and, and get some, you know, chicken and I love the, the beef section. Uh, and so we're going to that beef section and now we've, we've kind of, because of the crowd, we've kind of, we've, we've kind of gotten separated now. But I can stand still. If my dad calls my name, I know which direction to look in. See, it's exactly the same with us. We don't see God first, we hear Him. We hear His voice and guess where that seed goes? It goes straight into a safe place called the mind of the spirit, which is the conscience. And when it goes into the conscience, it stays in the conscience now. And when it stays in the conscience, it reveals Christ. That's how you know you've been living like a sinner, not because you feel guilty, but because you see Christ. Come on now. We don't, we don't repent because we're guilty of sin. We repent because we, we've seen the holiness of God. We've seen who we're meant to be. And so we see now when God created man, spoke him into dust, he formed him, he gave him his spirit, gave man a spirit. That spirit had a mind. When you and I got saved, ladies and gentlemen, that spirit and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, became one spirit. So now, mind of your uh, spirit is now the mind of His spirit. So the, the mind of God has now become your mind. Paul says, let this mind be also in you. Come on now, this, this, is, this, is a, this is a foundational teaching to conscience. This is a foundational teaching because it's important for you. If you don't understand this, everything else about the heart, you know, I'll tell you something, the heart, the word the heart is mentioned 800 times in the Bible. And we will completely think that it's very soulish, it's very mind, it's very body-mind, uh, the mind of the body, mind of the soul, but we never attribute it to the mind of the spirit. All these three attributes have their minds and each mind is like a vessel that flows one into the other. If the spirit is not being filled, the soul will get filled with everything else from the outside. And then the body will only manifest what the soul is getting. 
So the soul will tell you, don't read your Bible. Go watch a movie. And then you go to have a, go, go to sleep at night. And then you have, you watch a horror movie. And then now you're going to sleep. And then in the sleep now, all these demons are coming and chasing you. Why? It's because you allowed the soul to lead you. But when the spirit of God begins to lead you, he begins to speak to you. And when he, re- he releases his word into you, now when you go to sleep, you're dreaming the, the dreams that God dreams for you. Come on now. How many of you would love to dream the dreams that God dreams for you? I've got a verse for you. I want you to go to Psalm chapter 8. And we'll read from verse 4 onwards. And this is the angels that are, that are, that are talking about, about man. Okay, to God. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Mindful of him. And the son of man that you visit him. Hello. Is God visiting anybody? Come on now. He should be visiting you. His mind, his mind is full of thoughts for you and he visits you oh my goodness and the angels are like who is what is man that God this great God would come and visit him and have thoughts about him all the time verse 5 for you have made him little lower than the angels this is before Jesus okay after Jesus we're seated in Christ in heavenly places above all the angels above all the spirits principalities powers darkness dominions thrones clouds stars all of it above all of it we're seated in Christ okay For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him, come on now, with glory and honor. You have made him to have, listen to this, you have made him. Not you've said, okay, Baba, if you want, if you want to have dominion, you can. It's up to you. No, no, no. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands wow come on and you have put all things under his feet look at your feet is there anything underneath it all the works listen to me very carefully all the works of god's hands he's put under your feet all the good works from the time of creation that is still happening is still under your feet come on now come on and they're not just demons now they're all his works And you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and put all things under his feet. That's amazing. Now go to Jeremiah 29, 11. Now read this with me. For I know, this is God saying. God is saying, I know the thoughts that I have for you. Hello. Which means he's, it's like literally he's sitting here and he's looking at the iPad and saying, I know what is on the iPad. Which means (laughs) it's completely, you can't fathom him. He's amazing. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. If you were to look at your life, the thoughts that go through your mind, do you have hope? Do you have a future? God is so mindful of thoughts toward you. And all the thoughts of God, listen to me very carefully, all the thoughts of God are thoughts of peace. See, that it's the thoughts of peace that give you a future and a hope. Now, you look into your conscience, you look into your heart and tell me how much of peace is in your mind. Because if peace doesn't exist on the inside of you, then somebody else's thoughts are on the inside of you. Those thoughts are evil thoughts. They might be good also, but they're evil. They're not godly thoughts. But the thoughts that God has for you, those thoughts are are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And he's mindful of the, his, his mind is full of these thoughts. And the angels are like, man, How come you're so mindful of these guys? Who is man? What is man that you are so mindful of him? That you even took 
You've crowned him with glory and honor. Wow. And then you give him dominion and over all the things that you've created. My goodness. See, these are the thoughts that is in God's mind for you. Now tell me, church, what are the thoughts that are going through your mind? Are they thoughts of sickness? Are they thoughts of lack? Are they thoughts of woe is me? Are they thoughts of like, oh my God, I don't know when I'm going to get a job. Oh, I don't know what is going to happen to me. I don't know how, I'm gonna, how long I'm going to live here. I don't know what my purpose is in life. Hello, there's somebody who is your creator, who is he's writing your letter. And what is on that letter is what is on his mind, which means your letter is always full of the thoughts of God. Come on, church. And these thoughts are not evil. These thoughts are not evil. God's thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace. Peace. Shalom. The shalom of God. Every time you receive the word of God into your mind, into your conscience, it it releases the shalom of God into every single cell of your body. Ladies and gentlemen, before the soul gets renewed, your body gets affected by it. Because there's a direct connection between the spirit and the body, the spirit and the flesh in you. That's why he gave you his Holy Spirit to be uh, to, to take his place in you, in your body. And in fact, he calls his church his body. There's something about the spirit and the body together. So the spirit receives the mind of Christ. See, the Bible says the spirit searches the deep things. Now in the new covenant, the new creation, you don't need Google. You have Google searching God. You have the Google of heaven searching the mind of God. That mind that is full of thoughts only for you. Oh, come on now. When God was wanted to tell Abraham, hey, listen, I've got, you know, a, a, a generation planned for you. He said, oh, okay, can I have one son? God said, okay, come and look at the stars in the sky. That's, that's how he looks at blessing. You're just asking for a job. You're just asking for a bill to be paid. See, the way we need to pray is, God, can you bless this city that I'm living in? God, can you bless the nation? Because he reigns on the just and the unjust. You see, he, he's not a he's, a, he's like, yeah, Christians say, oh, you know, but I'm his favorite. Yeah, he, everybody feels like that. Everybody, even, even the people who are not saved are his favorites. He loves everyone equally. And he wants you to understand that you as a new creation in Christ Jesus have the mind of Christ. And it is this mind that you need to allow this mind, this conscience on the inside of you to mature according to the, what is written on the letter in your life. Now, saying that, I want you now to go to uh, a very familiar passage uh, in the book of Luke chapter 8. It's a familiar story. I've preached out of this so many times, but I just feel like I just want to present something to you um, that is really, really cool. Verse 4 says, And when a great multitude had gathered, they came, that they had come to him from every city. That's what Christ does. When, when Jesus does something, all the nations gather to him. He says this, A sower went out to sow his seed. Okay, And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Hello. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground. Others fell on epistles. Other, others fell on the letters of Christ. And then it sprang up. Come on now. And yielded a crop of a hundredfold. Come on, not 30, 60 here. This brother Luke goes straight into hundredfold. And when he said these things, he cried out. And he said, he who has 
ears to hear let him hear then jesus goes on to explain the parable and he said the seed is the word of god we know that the sower is the lord those by the wayside are the ones who hear then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts their conscience why lest they should believe and be saved so if your conscience is as hard as a wayside like a road if it's hard it's like it's really hard like a, like like some people have been walking all over and now you're just used to be walking all over your life you have no sensitivity you're like it's like a stone you are sensitive to the holy spirit god gives you seed as well cuz he's not an unjust father he's a just father he gives seed liberally to everybody you can be of another religion and god is giving you seed with the hope that your conscience will receive his seed even if it is one seed boom you get saved come on man but see while people's hearts are hardened guess who comes to take the seed the devil the devil comes to the people's people whose heart is hard like stone they don't receive they go to church but they don't want to listen to the word i don't know man uh, i like the community i like it's like a club you know everybody's happy and stuff like that when time comes for preaching it's like <sighs> what what are we going to do want to watch a movie after this wait what are we doing for dinner and so we see now that the devil comes and takes away the seed that is left on the surface of the conscience so the responsibility of the seed is not god's but it's yours and mine So the state of your heart determines how much seed or how much letters you receive to be imprinted on your conscience. Verse 13 says, but the ones who are on the rock are those who when they hear <laughs> receive the word with joy. Hallelujah. praise the lord they celebrate the shout they holler at the preacher they do a dance <laughs> come on now and these have no root who believe for a while come on now listen to this very carefully if you have noticed that you wait only for the friday to receive the word but you don't remember last week's message oh here we go something happened during the week this is the process of what happens to the conscience that's the the mind of the spirit in you that's your spirit man that mind in there now receives its food for the conscience the word of god is food for the conscience but here we go and these have no root who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away why do they fall away is because when they received the word they did not believe for a longer time they just believed for that moment yes hallelujah praise the lord i need that breakthrough in my life hey, what are we going to do after church hey, what are we going what where are we going what are we doing what's happening after 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 life experience what are we doing hey man i'm at home i just chill you know like in my pjs man like i just was just stay like oh my god i love testimony time because it's like wow prophetic words and like wow it's like so full of action but then when the time comes for the word they're like yes jesus hallelujah praise the lord i need that job next week i need that sales target to be met jesus thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord what are we having for dinner where are we going Come on now. I'm I'm just being very very real with you. He says you believe only for a while. And guess what comes to you? 
temptation. This temptation comes to you and in a time of temptation, see that we, we think about that, oh gosh, you know, temptation, Jesus experienced temptation only in the wilderness. I must be experiencing wilderness. Hello, this is, you're getting food for your spirit here. And it's not a wilderness experience. This is living word. The bread of life is coming on the inside of you. It's not a wilderness experience. And you have the responsibility now to say no to temptation. Because the Bible says that he will not allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. Which means all temptation you can handle. All temptation you can resist. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Why? Why do you resist temptation? Why do you not, why do you not suffer temptation? It's because you choose to believe for a longer time. So if you're struggling with temptation, ladies and gentlemen, the way out is I need to believe that the words that are imprinted on my heart today, on the Friday service, on this week's service, I need to receive that. I believe that word. I believe the word. I believe the word. I believe the word. Sunday, I believe the word. Monday, I believe the word. Tuesday, I believe the word. Wednesday, I believe the word. Thursday, I believe the word. Friday, I see fresh word. I believe, 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 believe. Ladies and gentlemen, as Christians, as new creations, our responsibility is not to function according to wants, but it is to function with belief. Unbelief is sin. That's what Paul says. He says, at a time of temptation, they just fall away. Not you, the word falls away. Because when you're suffering temptation, you're making the word of God, which is so powerful, to just fade away. Because you love temptation, being tempted and giving into temptation more than you love believing. So the way to get out of temptation is to believe the word and constantly believe the word. Don't give up, believe the word, believe the word. So now, Verse 14, now the ones that fell among thorns are those who then, who, who when they have heard, go out and are choked with the cares, riches and the pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Which means you're seeing some sort of fruit, but somehow the thorns and the cares of this world, the pleasures of this world, the cares for the world. Oh my God, what is going to happen to my son's career? What is going to happen to my daughter's marriage? What is going to happen to all of these things? I'm thinking about all these things all the time. What is going to happen to my future? What is God going to do with me? Am I going to have a car? Am I going to have a bike? Am I going to get married? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? The cares of this world choke the fruit from maturing. See, I started this message by talking about fruit and how God produces fruit in our lives even when things don't look like they need to produce fruit. And here we see that he's saying one of the reasons why the fruit in your life don't go into maturity is because the cares of this world choke the life of the word in you. So which means if you're believing the word and you hold on to the word and you allow the word to go deep into your heart, now you begin to see some sort of tree growing on the inside of you. You see Christ manifesting. But guess what? You start bearing fruit. And when you start bearing fruit, the cares of the world come to you. The cares of the world, they come, they come. Oh, they're attracted to the one who begins to bear fruit. Just now, oh my God, I just, I'm just noticing that shucks, I pray for people and they get healed. Oh my goodness, I, I am experiencing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I'm beginning to experience this, but the problem is the fruit is not becoming mature. Only reason for that is that we allow what CNN says to form my heart. We allow what is happening with the farmers in India to really define what is happening in my heart. I feel happy or sad, depending on what happens in the world today. Come on now, I'm just being real. We, 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 have, these, we have these Friday church Christian uh, experiences, and then we have worldly experiences, cares of the world throughout the rest of the week. And we wonder why, why am I not bearing fruit in my life? Why are things not working out in my life? Why is this not happening? Why God, you promised. God promised, the devil took it away. 
come on, God promised. And the cares of this world came and choked the promises out of your life. God promised, He gave you the recipe, He gave you the way, He gave you a conscience and He gave you the seed. But then you got tempted. And the temptation made the word of God powerless in your life and it just faded away. And you're wondering, why am I not feeling spiritual? Ah, why does it take me so long to get into prayer? Why do, why do I feel like, oh my God, when I wake up in the morning, like I feel like a ton of bricks in my head. Oh my gosh. Why don't I feel like the energy of God is on the inside of me? Why don't I feel like the energy of Elohim runs through every single cell in my body? Why is the power of God, the Holy Spirit is the power of God. I don't feel any power. Why is that? It's because the Spirit reveals Christ to your conscience, your heart. The conscience, the mind of the Spirit is the dwelling place of all the thoughts of God. God's thoughts does not dwell in your soul because God's thoughts are spirit. It dwells in the heart. Dwells in your heart. That heart is not the organ. That heart is not the mind. That heart is the mind of the spirit. But the ones that fell on good ground. Come on now. I'm believing that you've identified yourself as good ground. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who having, having heard the word with a noble and a good heart. Come on, man. Here's what the noble and the good heart does. He keeps the word and bears fruit with patience. Oh, oh that's, the, that's the word. Oh, patience. God saying, don't cut the tree, John. Just wait. I've got a plan for that tree. I want to show you something that I can do that not every other tree can do. I want to do something for you, John. Don't give up on that tree. Don't give up on that relationship. Don't give up on that husband. Don't give up on that wife. Don't give up on that company. I want to do something through you, but you, would you be patient through the process? Would you be patient through the process of allowing what I created to do what it naturally does? See, we want to want to fix things. And God's like, hey, listen, I've set a time and place for it to function. Would you be patient? Just chill for a little bit. Relax. Just get into your shalom zone. <laughs> Hashtag shalom zone. It's important for us to understand that when, they are, when we're good ground, is when we are plugged into community. We're not visiting life groups. We're plugged in. We're not visiting Life Church Global only on, 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 on once a month on, at the life experience. My God, I'm plugged in with the chats. I want people to see my name. When I'm chatting, when I'm on Zoom chats for life group, I don't want people to see a black picture. I want them to see my face. Because God created my face. I've got a beautiful smile. Come on now. We're so active on Facebook. But we don't want people to see our face on the Zoom chats. Come on now. Oh. We've taught our kids it's okay to put your screen off and let your teacher do a thing. Put, put it on mute, mute, mute. Don't, let, don't want them to hear what's happening in the background. How is people going to see Christ if you are on mute or you are off screen? If you don't hang out with people, if you don't say, hey John, can I hang out with you? If you don't call up Mac and say, hey Mac, I, John's busy, can I hang out with you? If Mac is busy, call CD. CD is available. Ah, oh, but I live in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, we've got a family in Abu Dhabi that can hang out with you all the time. 
We've got, a, we've got many families in Sharjah that can hang out with you. We've got families in, in Dubai, many families in Dubai, my goodness. All over Dubai, anywhere, you go anywhere, we've got a family that can hang out with you. Come on, man, we've got to, we can't use the pandemic anymore as an excuse to live the life that is powerless, that is, that is, there is no Christ in it. See, a lot of people hide their, their fleshy self because they want people to see what they're up to. Because when you come across these prophetic Christians, you know, they, they tend to read the letter. They don't need God now to give them interpretation because they know that when they can't see Christ, they're seeing something else. I love this word today. It's such a good word. I'm telling you, I'm being blessed by this word. James chapter 1. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I love this guy. He is so straightforward. He's the brother of Jesus and I feel like he speaks with authority. He's like, Jesus, me, we're brothers, bro. So after him, I'm going to speak freely. And he says, my brethren, this includes the sister in as well. Count it all joy. I don't think that all was sufficient. Come on now, say it with me. Count it all joy. All of it. The mother telling you, switch your social media and your phone off and go take your books. Count it joy, brother. The doctor that says, stop eating those carbs now. Count it all joy. Because when you fall, right? He's not saying when various trials come at you. He's saying when you fall, he's guaranteeing you will fall. He says when you fall into various trials, which means you didn't know these trials were coming and they're various. There's no like set pattern. Like God, okay, we have one storm now. This, this, I, figured it, I figured it out. If it comes again, I know, ladies and gentlemen, various. It's like every storm is unique in its own way and it does not announce that it's coming. Hello. <laughs> when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, what does it do? Produces patience. Hello. Go back to now that verse here. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and a good heart Keep it and bear fruit with patience. Go back to Brother James again. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So the thoughts that are in God's mind are thoughts that you should not lack anything. But for you to not lack anything, you've got to be perfected. In order for you to be perfected, you need patience. Think about this now. Our responsibility is to manifest Christ, who is the perfect one. And now if he is the perfect one, it's Christ is perfected in and through your life when you are patient. Patience means not acting in wrath. We've got to allow patience to perfect us. When he, when we allow patience to perfect us, that's when you are perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I want instant noodles. I want instant coffee. I want instant microwave mm, life. I don't want to slow cook. God is in slow cook mode. He's, he's, he makes the roast for five hours, which just falls off the bone. Oh my goodness. Oh. We're talking about food now. A slow roast. God takes time. Slowly roast you. <laughs> but we're used to having a life of instant. I press a button, the phone must come on. If it doesn't take more, if it takes more than 10 seconds, I need to change my phone. I want a phone that is 5G, 10G. 10G is fast. It has to come on. Come on, man. Like we have come into this place where patience has become a foreign thing. 
But patience, when you are impatient, you don't produce Christ. You produce temporary things. But when you begin to produce Christ in your life, it's because you've gone through the grind, man. You've allowed the testing to test your faith. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something that that patience is produced by the word of God. It's not even you now that has to say, okay, I'm patient, I'm patient, I'm patient. And then breathe, breathe, I'm patient. And then you lose your patience. The word of God when it is written on your conscience, you have to hold it now, believe it and say, God, I'm not letting go of this word. Every moment that I can meditate on this word, I'm going to meditate. The longer you meditate on this word, the deeper it goes into your conscience and begins to form your conscience into Christ. And now the conscience begins to now give life. That word begins to get tested. You're not getting tested. The word is getting tested. And when the word gets tested, guess what it produces? The word produces patience in you. Why is it? The word is like, hey, listen, listen. I'm, I'm, I'm making something awesome. I'm making something beautiful for your future. Just chill for a bit. Just relax. Just shalom it for a little bit. Just shalom. Relax. Don't be in a hurry. I know it's tough. But don't be in a hurry. Just wait, just wait, just wait. How long, God? How long? Just wait, just wait. And as you allow him to say, okay, I'll wait. Okay, I'll wait. Count it all joy. Oh my gosh, you're asking me to wait? Which means it's, it's the season of waiting is the season of joy. It might sound like a trial on the outside, but on the inside, it's like a celebration. That's how you know Christ is being formed in you. There's a party happening on the inside of you, no matter what is happening on the outside. And so now, when patience begins to perfect you, it tests your faith, your faith is strong. That's when a fruit called Christ is manifested in and through your life. It's amazing. that God gives us words that are encouragement to us. Prophetic words, He calls out the greatness in us, all that stuff. He gives us prophetic words, gives us His word, revelation, all of that stuff. And we receive it. According to the level of our understanding, we receive it as much as we receive. And so when we receive that word, that word gets on the inside of you and it begins to do a work first in you. God doesn't just want to use you so that he can have Christ in the world. God wants to transform you into Christ. If your heart, your conscience is weak, then you bear immature fruit. But if your conscience is maturing every single day, you're allowing God to mature you. How does He mature you? He matures you when you go through tests, when you go through trials, various trials. Those various trials, they really give you, they make you strong. So that when the roots spread into you, your tree doesn't just fall off when temptation comes, but actually keeps going further. Why? Because you've learned to resist temptation. You resist the cares of the world. You resist everything that the devil has to offer. And then you allow this tree called Christ to grow out of you. And people in the world come across you. They don't know that you're a Christian. They come across you and they experience the love of God and then they begin to eat of that fruit and when they eat of the fruit they eat of the seed that goes deep into their hearts and begins to germinate and this begins to happen all around ladies and gentlemen have you heard of the saying let your actions speak louder than your words this is exactly what it means to be a Christian Jesus says you can't just love God and not love your neighbor come on you can't just love God and just say, okay, God loves me, I love God. It's called selfishness. If you don't share that love with your neighbor, with your friends, 
You don't have to tell him, I love you in Jesus' name. Just love him. And that love is Christ going to them. They don't have to be defined. Oh, are you a Christian? Are you, do we, we create all these segregations and we talk about all these things, but actually just love people. Just be joyful. Just like when you go into their presence, just be full of joy. Be the life of the party. Be patient. Allow God to bring forth His fruit in and through your life. So today, I want to bless you, church. I want to declare God's life and love over you. Uh, and I, and I, I want to request you, I humbly request you, to wear this word that I've spoken to you in prayer with God and allow God to really speak into your heart. Allow God to really rewrite or recode your letter according to the revelation that you will receive today. And so we bless you. We love you. And we will see you next week. Bless you. Bye.